0: Chapter 9 of A Daughter of Today by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary The weather had cleared to a compromise. The dome of St. Paul's swelled divinely out of the fog as Elfrida turned into Fleet Street, and the railway bridge that hangs over the heads of the people at the bottom of Ludgate Hill seemed a curiously solid structure connecting space with space fleet street wet and brown and standing in all unremembered fashions lifted its antiquated head and waited for more rain the pavements glistened brightly till the tracking heels of the crowd gave them back their squalor and there was everywhere that newness of turmoil that seemed to burst even in the turbulent streets of the city when it stops raining the girl made her way toward charing cross with the westward-going crowd it went with a steady respectable jog-trot very careful of its skirts and umbrellas and the bottoms of its trousers she took pleasure in hastening past it with her light gait she would walk to the consul office which was in the vicinity of the haymarket indeed she must for the sake of economy i really ought to be very careful thought elfrida i've only eight sovereigns left and i can't oh i can't ask them for any more at home so she went swiftly on pausing once before a picture-dealer's in the strand to make a mocking mouth at the particularly british quality of the art which formed the day's exhibit and once to glance at a newsstand where two women of the street one still young and pretty the other old and foul were buying the police gazette from a stolid faced boy what a subject for nadie she said to herself smiling and hurried on twenty yards further a carter's horse lay dying with its head upon the pavement she made an impulsive detour of nearly half a mile to avoid passing the place and her thoughts recurred painfully to the animal half a dozen times the rain came down again before she reached the consul office a policeman misinformed her she had a difficulty in finding it she arrived at last with damp skirts and muddy boots it had been a long walk and the article upon american social ideas was limp and spotted a door confronted her flush with the street she opened it and found herself at the bottom of a flight of stairs steep dark and silent she hesitated a moment and then went up at the top another closed door met her with the consul painted in black letters on the part of it that consisted of ground glass somewhat the worse for pencil points and finger nails elfrida lifted her hand to knock then changed her mind and opened the door it was a small room lined on two sides with deal compartments bulging with dusty papers there were two or three shelves of uninteresting-looking books and a desk which extended into a counter the upper panes of the window were ragged with cobwebs and the air of the place was redolent of stale publications a thick-set little man in spectacles sat at the desk it was not mr curtis the thick-set man rose as elfrida entered and came forward a dubious step or two his expression was not encouraging i have called to see the editor mr curtis said she the editor is not here.' "'Oh, isn't he? I'm sorry for that. When is he likely to be in? I want to see him particularly.' "'He only comes here once a week, for about an hour,' replied the little man, reluctant even to say so much. "'But I could see that he got a letter.' "'Thanks,' returned Elfrida. "'At what time and on what day does he usually come?' that i'm not at liberty to say the occupant of the desk replied briefly and sat down again where is mr curtis elfrida asked she had not counted upon this to the physical depression of her walk there added itself a strong disgust with the unsuccessful situation she persisted knowing what she would have to suffer from herself if she failed mr curtis is in the country i cannot possibly give you his address you can write to him here and the letter will be forwarded but he only sees people by appointment especially ladies the little man added with a half smile which had more significance in it than elfrida could bear her face set itself against the anger that burnt up in her and she walked quickly from the door to the desk her wet skirts swishing with her steps she looked straight at the man and began to speak in a voice of constraint and authority you will be kind enough to get up she said and listen to what i have to say the man got up instantly i came here she went on to offer your editor an article this article she drew out the manuscript and laid it before him i thought from the character of the contributions in last week's number of the consul that he might very well be glad of it her tone reduced the man to silence mechanically he picked up the manuscript and fingered the leaves read the first few sentences please said Elfrida. i've nothing to do with that department miss i have no intention whatever of leaving it with you but i shall be obliged if you will read the first few sentences he read them the girl standing watching him now said she do you understand she took the pages from his hand and returned them to the envelope yes miss it's certainly interesting but be quite sure you understand said elfrida As the ground glass door closed behind her before she reached the foot of the staircase she was in a passion of tears. She leaned against the wall in the half-darkness of the passage, shaking with sobs, raging with anger and pity, struggling against her own contempt. Gradually she gained a hold upon herself, and as she dried her eyes finally, she lost all feeling but a heavy sense of failure she sat down faintly on the lowest step remembering that she had eaten nothing since breakfast and fanned her flushed face with the sheets of her manuscript she preferred that even the unregarding london streets should not see the traces of her distress she was still sitting there ten minutes later when the door opened and threw the gray light from outside over her she had found her feet before mr curtis had fairly seen her he paused in astonishment with his gloved hand upon the knob the girl seemed to have started out of the shadow and the emotion of her face dramatized its beauty she made a step toward the door can i do anything for you asked the editor of the consul taking off his hat nothing thank you Elfrida replied looking beyond him unless you will kindly allow me to pass it was raining again doggedly as it does in the late afternoon Elfrida thought with a superlative pang of discomfort of the three or four blocks that lay between her and the nearest baker's shop she put up her umbrella gathered her skirts up behind and started wearily for the haymarket she had never in her life felt so tired suddenly a thrill of consciousness went up from her left hand the hand that held up her skirts such a thrill as is known only to the sex that wills to have its pockets there she made one or two convulsive confirmatory clutches at it from the outside then with a throw of actual despair she thrust her hand into her pocket it was a crushing fact her purse was gone her purse that held the possibilities of her journalistic future molten and stamped in eight gold sovereigns her purse Elfrida cast one hopeless look at the pavement behind her before she allowed herself to realize the situation then she faced it addressing a dainty french oath to the necessity come she said to herself now it begins to be really amusing la vraie comédie. she saw herself in the part it was an artistic pleasure alone in a city of melodrama without a penny only her brains besides the sense of extremity pushed and concentrated her she walked on with new energy and purpose as she turned into the haymarket a cab drew up almost in front of her through its rain-beaten glass front she recognized a face kendall's his head was thrown back to speak to the driver through the roof in the instant of her glance elfrida saw that he wore a bunch of violets in his buttonhole that he was looking splendidly well then with a smile that recognized the dramatic value of his appearance at the moment she lowered her umbrella and passed on unseen almost gaily she walked into a pawnbroker's shop and obtained with perfect nonchalance five pounds upon her mother's watch she had no idea that she ought to dispute the dictum of the bald young man with the fishy eyes and the high collar it did not occur to her that she was paid too little what she realized was that she had wanted to pawn something all her life it was a deliciously effective extremity she reserved her rings with the distinct purpose of having the experience again then she made a substantial lunch at a rather expensive restaurant it isn't time yet for crusts and dripping she reflected and tipped the waiter a shilling telling him to get her a cab as she turned into the strand she told the cabman to drive slowly and made him stop at the first newspaper office she saw as she alighted a sense of her extravagance dawned upon her and she paid the man off then she made a resolutely charming assent to the editorial rooms of the illustrated age twenty minutes later she came down again and the door was opened for her by mr arthur rattray one of the sub-editors a young man who had already distinguished himself on the staff of the age by his intelligent perception of paying matter and his enterprise in securing it elfrida continued to carry her opinions upon the social ideals of her native democracy in their much-stained envelope but there was a light in her eyes which seemed to be the reflection of success it's still raining said the young man cheerfully so it is elfrida responded and oh how atrocious of me i've left my umbrella in the cab hard luck exclaimed mr rattray an umbrella is an organic part of one in london shall i stop this bus thanks no i'll walk i think it's only a little way i shan't get wet good-night elfrida nodded to him brightly and hurried off but it could not have occasioned her surprise to find mr rattray beside her a moment later With a careful and attentive umbrella, and the intention of being allowed to accompany her that little way. By the time they arrived, Mr. Rattray had pledged himself to visit Scotland Yard next day in search of a dark brown silk umbrella with a handle in the similitude of an ivory mummy. Are these your diggings? he asked as they reached the house. Why, Tick lives here too, the gentle Golightly. Do you know him? elfrida acknowledged her acquaintance with mr tick and mr rattray hastened to deprecate her thanks for his escort remember he said no theories no fine writing no compositions describe what you've seen and know and give it a tang an individuality and so far as we are concerned i think we could use that thing you proposed about the latin quarter with plenty of facts about the cost of the training there very well but you make it short chapter nine